2: to PayPal or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use code HACK.
3: Hello, listeners. This is Jim the Keys, bartender. It's the day after Cinco de Mayo. And this year, Cinco de Mayo fell on... May 5th, which actually that's what it means. the 5th of May. And uh, <clears throat> in the restaurant business, it runs a distant second in volume at least in the United States. And you know, a, mainly a lot of other places because it's really a 96 holiday. Uh, I was talking to one of my friends who's a, of a, who's a Mexican. And he, I asked him about Cinco de Mayo, and he says that's mainly a holiday they only celebrate in Mexico City, and it uh, signifies uh, independence from. And I think it was Emperor Maximilian. They tried to just, uh, the Europeans tried to reestablish some kind of colony or in, in Mexico after they had their independence. And that that's one of the almost... It's not exactly their July 4th. But here in the United States, with the prevalence of marketing, huge, huge sales of Mexican beer and tequila and things like that, what better way to sell more of the product than promoting a holiday that isn't widely celebrated in Mexico, much like St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's Day was a... Uh, is, is not wasn't a big as a big big a holiday as uh, in Ireland. It certainly wasn't a drinking holiday. It was, it's a religious holiday. St Patrick was a patron saint of Ireland. So yesterday we ran at the catch restaurant here in Key Largo, much like any other place in the United States a uh, lot of lot of different places we ran uh, $5 margaritas and a couple uh, Mexican dishes on special so we had some people going in and uh, coming in and ordering $5 margaritas but i mean they don't seem they don't seem that offended you know cultural appropriation of uh, this Mexican holiday, these minor Mexican holidays, probably bigger ones they could do, which, you know, just an observation. I, I, I really don't think. I guess with uh, they're making a drinking holiday. It's it's a drinking holiday, much like uh, St. Patrick's Day, you know, Fourth of July, celebrating America's independence. You'd think it was about all about parades and fireworks. You know, not about. The struggle for uh, our independence from our colonial overlords the British Empire it's not spoken to it's not spoken about a lot and a lot of people don't even realize what 4th July is about I mean the whole aspect of 4th July but I'm not going to go on length over holidays today I wanted to talk about things that I guess it's just currently people just think things are crazy now we're experiencing a lot of different things in in here in the United States and around the world. I mean, we just gotten through a pandemic. It seems to be, there could be another resurgence coming with this COVID. And there's inflation. There's political division uh, with the leaked, uh, there leaked reports coming out of Supreme Court that they're going to overturn Roe versus Wade. So there's going to be a, a lot of interesting thing going, going on there and, and war in Ukraine all around the world war's been going on and people you just think you could get if, if you watch the news you can get really kind of down in your dumps and then you have all your personal items that you have issues with. For me, when you're younger and you're healthy and your prospects are good and things are going well, at least where you, where you are living, let's say, you may not think about these things. And then when things pile on, pile on, you got some health issues, you got relatives, your, your relatives are getting older, your parents are getting older, people getting older, elderly, sickly. Uh, econ- you, know, you can have economic hardship, you can have um, mental hardships. And it causes you to think, wow, life is super difficult. Has it ever been more difficult than this? And most assuredly, it has. It has. I mean, go back 20,000 years before the establishments of a uh, city when we were just hunter-gatherers. Uh, humans were hunter-gatherers. They were gathering in small bands and they lived in all sorts of different places. I can imagine it was a daily struggle just to survive, I mean, you had to go find food. You had to look out for protection from predators. You had to look out for protection from other roving bands of hunter-gatherers. So it was a—it was probably a daily struggle for people every day, unless they were lucky. You know, but there was no uh, agriculture at that time. Um, Raising of herds and things like that, twenty thousand years ago. Pretty much when you went to sleep, if you didn't have any, if you didn't have strung up a, an animal, you were still eating from the day before. You were going to have to get up the next day and look for food, and then you're going to have to survive when you went out there to do it. Humans uh, probably at that time had the same mental capability. Because evolution ha- happens on a long timeline. So they had the ability, the ability to learn. And if you took someone from that long ago, a lot of scientists would say they would, if you brought them up, a child, a baby, and you were able to raise them, let's say they were a, a baby that was born 20,000 years ago, and you were able to, in some way, import it, export it, actually, to the... 21st century and raise it using modern nutritional, educational, uh, and all the comforts that we have, that child would develop along similar lines a way a human is today. But they didn't have that knowledge that was passed on through written language around them. They had no, you know, mainly. I mean, even know if they had language at that time, because there was nothing written. You know, the first cities came about around eight thousand years ago, maybe a little longer, and then you started having more, more organization, more sophisticated systems, writing systems, education the way they gathered things, and the more time people had to contemplate their existence, which we have today. Today, behind me, where I'm doing the podcast right here, I'm in my refrigerator. Then I have my sink, stove, microwave, coffee maker, sink. Everything I need. And... Um, a pantry, dry goods, everything I need to survive food-wise. And then I got a roof over my head. It's protected. Windows locked on a door. I can see some, some predator approaching. If a saber-toothed tiger were to approach, I would be able to see it. Fortunately, there's no saber-toothed tigers. But with windows, I could keep it outside unless it decides to come through the window. But... I'm getting out of the point of what I'm talking about, meaning I can make a meal, eat within 15 minutes. And then personal hygiene, that probably wasn't a thing back then, but I have my clothes, I have the place I want to see. It's all secure. I can get it uninterrupted if I could sleep all night without having to get up and urinate in the middle of the night. But then again, probably 20,000 years ago, most of the people lived, they were lucky to live past 30. All the, you know, the illnesses and things that could get you at that time, predators, illness, uh, some kind of tetanus, anything. So many things can kill you. And nowadays, we have protection from them. We have the food. We have the hygiene. We have we, we go the way we dispose of our bodily waste. I'm sure after learning these different groups of people realize and say, "Hey, listen, this is where we get our water. This is not where we want to put our waste." After seeing people get sick, and they they may put two and two together and say, "Listen, we we know through experience that if we do this separated." We do get take rare take uh, take care of our uh, expulsion of our bodily waste over here, and we got our water over here. So it's time—the time to hunt—and uh, it consumed our. It consumed our time. It consumed defending ourselves. I'm sure there wasn't a lot of time when it just sat, and they weren't able to pass these ideas along, except maybe. Once language developed, orally. And then you had a written language, you'd be able to pass that on. But once we reached these bench- benchmarks in human development, we had spare time to contemplate our place in the world, our existence, about the things that happen around us. It would be really hard for you to imagine what people thought of death back then. We know... Through archaeology, how they did their, you know, handled their their uh, their dead companions, what they did with them, when they started burying them, preparing them for what they thought could have been the afterlife, and that's when they started contemplating, well, what happens afterwards? What is my place in this world? So here we are, not that far removed from being these people that were driven by urges and needs to eat. I mean, to hunt, to eat, to protect. And when they develop the ability to do it, to build fires, clothing to keep them warm, shelters to protect them, organizing different entities to protect them against other threatening groups getting bigger, bigger from certain, from, you know, little bands of uh, groups, family bands to go into tribal groups to go uh, or clans to tribal groups to uh, cities, states, nations. And as we get more and more complicated, Passing on more information, reducing the amount of time we need to do things to survive where a middle class person needs forty hours a week if they're lucky to, to work and take care of them um, take care of themselves we have streamlined our shopping the way we gather our food the way we prepare our food less and less time and even with entertainment and we're passing along information even more and more and that information could be adding to that anxiety and that uncertainty but what is certain is that this has always been this way that people had precarious uh, existence that When we contemplate, we're still contemplating our place in the world or the universe. We're still wondering what's going to happen after we die. We still have rituals on how we prepare people that have passed, the ones near us. Even people that don't believe in an afterlife have rituals, they have remembrances Memorial services, funerals, whatever you want to call them. And it's easy to think when we have all this information, you say we can forget about that other people always go through this. And when you're younger, when you're young, you're developing, you don't have that memory. That memory of a lot of things occurring. You don't remember a lot of death. You don't remember a lot of heartache. You don't remember those things. So as we get older, our memories are full of things that we compare. And we're not as vigorous as we used to be. And that may add to our anxieties and things like that. And we think it's unusual. This is unique to us. This is unique that what is occurring has never happened before. Well, yeah, it never happened in that sequence, those events that occurred. But there are always different things going on throughout history. And even when it's relatively calm and great where we are, there's other places in the world where people are going through extreme hardships, very extreme hardships. There's people still that live in the world that live Pretty close. Pretty close to the existence people had hundreds of years ago, with little access to things like uh, sanitary, um, you know, up-to-date sanitary condition conditions, uh, food preservation, fresh water, a secure homestead. There's places in the world, many places in the world, where when they lay their head down at that night, they don't know if their residence or wherever they're sleeping is secure. And that can add to their anxiety. So how how come knowing all these things, do we still get anxious When we know that we have it so good. I have things going on in my life and my loved one's lives that cause me concern. Makes me not sleep well at night. And then I think about it's not a unique thing. And it's hard to divorce yourself from the ability to say, Hey, there's so many people that have it much worse than me. There's so many people that have it much worse than me. We may sometimes, you could focus on the people and say, well, how come they have it so good? Remember, the people that have it really good and that have, let's say they have a lot of resources. Someone is the the, the super wealthy, the ultra wealthy, the, the ultra elites they have their difficulties too because they are not immune from certain things. They are not immune from anxiety, mental illness, substance abuse, bad relationships. They're not immune from like questioning people's ulterior motives when they are in in a relationship with them. Why are they so nice to me? Who can I trust? They have their problems, too. So it doesn't matter where you are on that scale. I mean, it does matter, I guess, if you're work, if you're spending, there are people in the world still today that are spending a long time, a, a lot of their energy getting the minimum requirements, food, water, shelter, protection, and they, not, they may not be spending a lot of time thinking about their place in the world. They could be, who knows, when you're going five miles to get to a fresh water supply and then bring it back to where they live or are concerned about when their next meal is going to be. So, the answers to how do you alleviate those things, there's no easy answers. Everyone has the, let's say, everyone has one thing in common is that they exist. But the things where they vary is level, levels of awareness. Like are they appreciating that they aren't the only one? It must be extreme hardship for someone to believe when they're going through something that they're the only one going through it. Because it's hard to contemplate other people when they're going through hardships. And so when you're experiencing a hardship, it's hard to appreciate someone else's hardship. And that's unique because we have a body. It's not unique because it's a body, actually. Because we can only feel our pain, real pain. We can't feel other people's real pain. But we can have empathy. And we can imagine how sorrowful someone could be when they lose someone close to them or lose their pet or or going through a serious illness or substance use abuse problem I don't have an answer today for those people who say you alleviate but I know you can because I've done it if if You have the ability to have empathy and memory and knowledge that you are not the only one going through these things. There are people with, are dealing with things. There are the happy warriors out there that are dealing with hardships and coping. And there's other people that are despondent. And it's easy to go down a road despondent. It's easy to get down that path. And it's hard to get back. When you're so, you can get into a rut and just think, hardship, hardship, hardship. But is it possible to realize that these hardships prepare me in spite of these hardships, that I can still care and be empathetic I can be concerned about my loved ones, take care of them, but not be anxious about the future. It's a difficult balancing act, sometimes. So what I do, and this is only going on the upswing right here, I try, to be, I try to inspire myself. I try to inspire myself by thinking of things that inspire me. I love I love animals. I like small children. I like people. I like working out. I know when I am feeling in a rut that if I do something, move a muscle, do a podcast, I can change the course of the direction of the way I'm thinking. And I can put a positive drive behind it to get me in that direction. And... There was a show on television. I'm not going to talk about the show. It was a funny show. But they played some music. And it was uh, by the Miami Choral Society. It's a children's choir. And I'm going to play this, even though I'm not supposed to play it. I'm not going to play the recording. I could download it right here. But I'm going to play the recording on my phone. And you know my feeling. I'm not very religious, but I am spiritual. And and this song struck me, but there's other songs that struck I like the... I mean, I just pick up like the... the I was just... When I was a kid, I used to be a comic book freak. I liked to see him from Superman. It reminded me of strength, perseverance, grandiosity. Uh, the, A song by uh, Fleetwood Matt Tusk. It's powerful, moving. Uh, I don't know. It, it's not necessarily... Positive or negative, but it just—it's—it's it's momentum. But this particular song reminded me of getting through hardships. It's called "The Storm Is Passing Over," and imagine it was an old, um, you know, church song from someplace. So listen to this. This is the uh, the children's choir. I'm playing it off my phone because I don't. know If I put it in there, I can always you know, delete it or something like that. I don't know. Let me, let's see what you think. here. Yeah, that's whenever I'm having hardship or anything like that. If I think about that, if I listen to that song, it kind of puts me in the mood to do something about it. And that's the thing. Breaking that drive that you're going down, when you're going down the you, you know just you're derailing that depressed train. Or getting switching lines, you're going and saying, "I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to. Do, it's over. This is over. I'm ready to do this." So, it's easy to think that what we're going through and the hardships we're going through are unique and personal, but everyone's going through their own hardships. Some are more difficult than others, but you're experiencing yourselves and yourself. And it's it's not something necessarily something you have to do. It's difficult, but just because something's difficult doesn't mean you can't do anything about it. And that's what I have for you today. I'd like to thank you. And there's one other song. What was that? Uh, Aaron Copeland's theme for... um, fanfare for the common man i played it one time it was at the, um i think that would uh it was it was written towards the end of world war Two, and it's kind of like the anthem of the end of world war Two. so that's always a good one too to listen to i'd like to thank you for listening i hope you're uh doing well i know we're not always about mental health and stuff like that but this is me as a keys uh, as a keys bartender sometimes i run into people at work i for some reason i see people and sometimes they're having a hard time and I, oh that's my wife i will talk to you later No, no, no! I'm doing a podcast. In fact, I'm signing off right now.